From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrin. Hey, welcome aboard. Great to have you with us. Hope you're with us for the duration. Once again, we'd like to welcome our new affiliate. This is number 25, WESB News Radio, 1490 Bradford, Pennsylvania. And uh, that is in uh, northern Pennsylvania. Beautiful state. I love Pennsylvania. Uh, driving through, uh, uh, I guess it's the Allegheny Mountains. And uh, uh, there's, a, there's a particular county uh, down there that I've uh, traveled to a few times that I've just fallen in love with. It's called Bucks County. And uh, there are all these beautiful stone houses uh, that date back to uh, the war, you know, the revolution, Revolutionary War. We're talking, you know, 250-year-old uh, houses or 230-year-old uh, houses. Anyway, beautiful country uh, in Pennsylvania. Uh, just one of those places you just love to drive, get in the car and just drive, and with no particular place to go. As Chuck to sing. So WESB News Radio 1490, Brett, Pennsylvania. Uh, welcome and glad to be part of your radio station. Uh, had the boys out. Well, I didn't. The mighty Aphrodite took the boys out uh, pumpkin hunting on um, on the weekend, and um, they brought back six of them, uh, five small ones and one fairly large one, and uh, for twenty dollars. Uh, anyway, they're, uh, they're uh, very excited. Uh, they're going to be, uh, you know, carving and painting and, uh, having some friends over next weekend and, uh, sort of a belated birthday party. They're going to incorporate the, uh, the carving of the jack-o'-lantern into their, uh, into the proceedings with their, uh, their friends. Uh, although North is a little distraught because hasn't been performing well in school lately. And, uh, after sort of laying down the law, that continued for several weeks. And so, unfortunately, we had to take away uh, his trick-or-treating evening, so he won't be going out Halloween, uh, but he gets to dress up and shell out candy, and uh, we'll make it fun for him. But, you know, you got to do it. Sometimes you got to lay down the laws as a parent, and I, I feel bad for the little guy because he's been lobbying me behind the scenes. He says, do you think Mama let me go out if I do better in school? I said, North, just, you know, you can give it a shot, but um, unfortunately, I think the die is cast. Uh, he'll get over it, I hope. I hope. Uh, Halloween, of course, is uh, top of mind for everyone, especially the little ones, as uh, we head on into the latter half of uh, October. And, uh, you know, we don't just talk about ghosts this time of year. We talk about uh, ghosts all year long on The Conspiracy Show. Uh, but it is, you know, top of mind at this time of year. And uh, recently became aware of a, uh, a woman who, uh, author of 10 books, and they call her the real-life ghost whisperer. And um, delighted to have her on the program tonight to talk about uh, not every, not only about everything you want to know about ghosts, but also uh, about people who are susceptible to entity possession or oppression, and also about uh, this whole phenomenon around uh, earthbound souls. Uh, there are multiple reasons, and she's delved into this and researched it, as to why a departed spirit becomes earthbound. And I thought we could uh, we could go there for the next hour. Dr. Susan Shumsky, as I say, the author of 10 books, including The Power of Auras, The Power of Chakras, Instant Healing, Exploring Meditation, How to Hear the Voice of God, Miracle Prayer, and Divine Revelation. She is, as I say, an expert in depossession and in clearing noxious zones and geopathic lines from the environment. She also relates anecdotes about entity possession and oppression. Dr. Susan Shumsky, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Wonderful. I'm so happy to be here. So uh, where did this all begin for you, investigating ghosts? I mean, are you a medium? Are you a psychic? 
I would not call myself a medium or a psychic. I'm actually a spiritual teacher. And where I first became interested in astral possession was when I got possessed myself as a teenager. And I had to overcome that through meditation. It was a terrifying experience that took place in my life at age 18 in 1966 when I was a hippie in the San Francisco Bay Area. And at that time, we were all delving into spiritual experiences. Really, our gurus at that time were Timothy Leary and Richard Alpert, who were extolling the virtues of LSD. And Richard Alpert later became Ram Dass, as I'm sure you're aware right, of. Right. And at that time, we wanted to explore spirituality. We wanted to have spiritual experiences. We wanted to open to spiritual enlightenment. But when I had my first LSD trip, I didn't have, uh, well, I had some experiences of mind expansion, but I also became possessed by an entity. And it was a horrifying, terrifying experience. And it did not go away because I didn't know how to heal it or what to do with it. And neither did anybody else as they witnessed it happening. Well, what was this so, entity? What was this entity? Tell me about it, uh, Susan. See, what happened was I was on an LSD trip. And then I went back to the apartment of one of the people. It was We were taking acid. And all of a sudden, I started to say out loud, I don't know how to die. I don't know how to die. And I was repeating it over and over. But then I started to say it at an ear-splitting voice. I was screaming it, and I was also stomping my feet at the same time. This is what they tell me. I, re I remember saying the words, I don't know how to die, but I do not remember the, the horrific display that went on. They told me about it the next morning. And obviously it was an earthbound spirit who had taken possession of my body, yelling, I don't know how to die. And, uh, and using my body and, and stomping with my feet. Well, Susan, let me so, just jump in here if I could. I mean, you say obviously, but how does one differentiate between just a bad trip, as they used to say back in the uh, in the 60s, a bad trip and a, and, a, and a possession? Okay. Well, this was not just a bad trip. This was definitely a possession because I was uh, – this spirit was using my body, stomping my feet – Say, yelling, I don't know how to die. I mean, it's definitely a spirit that was doing that through me. And, and after that, uh, I never really came down from that acid trip. It was horrific. And I had terrible experiences for quite a long time after that. However, the drugs, the psychedelic drugs, did open me up to altered states that gave me a very strong desire to experience true meditation. And I was reading books like Paramahansa Yogananda's Autobiography of a Yogi. I was reading Alan Watts' The Way of Zen. I was reading the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And really, we all were. We were reading these kinds of books at that time. I'm sure people don't realize that the flower children of that time were seeking spiritual awakening and spiritual enlightenment. 
And when I read Alan Watts' book, it said that you need to find a meditation guide. Well, in 1966, in Berkeley, California, you didn't go to the yellow pages to find meditation guide or yoga or anything remotely similar to that. So I asked a roommate, well, you know, I need to find a meditation guide. How can I do that? And he said, well, have you ever tried to meditate yourself? So I said, well, yeah, okay, I'll give that a shot. I don't know, but I'll try. So I lay down on my bed. I didn't know what to do. I lay down on my bed, and I kind of prayed for or asked for a meditation. Immediately, I was propelled into an ecstatic state. There was a cord or rush of energy that was rushing from the tips of my toes all the way to the top of my head. I, it, I felt like I was being plugged into an electric socket. And this rush of energy went through my body. And it was very ecstatic. And I, so I, I thought, well, I guess this is meditation. You know, I didn't know any better. Little did I know that I had my first meditation experience along with my first complete kundalini awakening at the same time. Wow. I mean, people people work on that meditation for, for decades, and some never achieve it, and you just lie back on the bed, and it happened. Well, the thing is, I do believe that people work on these things for lifetimes. This doesn't just happen in five minutes. Uh, I have past life recall of being a sannyasi in India, of being a renunciate, of being in the, on the Ganges River, and of meditating in caves and so on. So, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. Anyone who is sensitive to spiritual experiences, anyone who has any kind of clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, anyone who is somewhat psychic or somewhat sensitive or somewhat intuitive or has had interesting spiritual experiences we've been doing this for a long time many lifetimes let me get back to the uh, we're just coming up on a break here but let's start get back into this conversation regarding uh, your possession by this this entity uh, that entered your uh, your body during a, an LSD trip back in the late or mid to late 60s in San Francisco uh, so did, what happened after that that initial you know, uh, possession. Did did it? Uh, did this entity make itself known to you by by name? Did it appear to you? Uh, what? How did it manifest itself? No, it did not. It, that just took place that one night. But after that, I really never came down from the LSD trip. My my senses were permanently opened. Uh, the LSD. What it did is, I. It's as if the Volume on all of my senses was turned up to the max. Colors were brighter. I was incredibly sensitive to everything in my environment. I was hearing, I don't know if they were hallucinations or if they were real. I was hearing other people's thoughts. It was a very strange experience and it was actually terrifying at the time because it was a complete, and also I was out of my body. I was like, a foot above my body. So all of that was taking place. Uh, that actual possession itself was that, uh, specifically that one night. But I am sure there were entities that were around me because I was having, uh, 
I was having these voices. There were certain voices that were coming to me that were laughing at me and jeering at me and making fun of me. And it was like a paranoid hallucination. But I do believe that these were real voices of, of astral entities, earthbound spirits or whatever they were, or demonic beings even, that were around me and that were trying to possess me. All right. Dr. Susan Shumsky stays with us. We'll come back on the other side, continue to discuss uh, possessions or oppression and earthbound souls. We'll also open up the phone lines, questions or comments. Most welcome. The Conspiracy Show back with more right after this. the truth you can handle the truth the conspiracy show with richard serrett to get to the truth call richard now at 416-360-0740 dr susan shumsky is with us her latest book is the power of auras we're talking about ghosts tonight uh, and earthbound souls and possession uh, susan was possessed uh, back in the late 60s while um, on an lsd trip uh, I'm wondering, though, in terms of meditation, I've heard from some who sort of have cautioned that when one is in deep meditation, you are opening yourself up to potential possession. Was that ever a concern? No, actually, meditation for me cured me of all possession. However, if a person is a psychic sponge, a psychic sponge is a person who absorbs the energies around them as a sponge absorbs water. And if they are a psychic sponge and they do not keep their auras closed off, then they might be susceptible to entity oppression or possession. There are many reasons why a person is susceptible to entity possession or oppression. But if the meditation practice is worth its salt, there's no reason that a person would become possessed through meditation unless they're just sitting there going into a kind of a blank state and just kind of uh, like daydreaming, going off into nowheresville. Yes, that, but I don't call that meditation. I call that daydreaming. All right. What, what through your meditation, uh, Susan, what did you learn uh, regarding uh, I guess the entities that inhabit uh, what, what I guess you would call the astral plane. Where is the astral plane? What does it look like? And, and, and what inhabits the astral plane? Or who inhabits the astral that's plane? A really, that's a great question, Richard. The astral plane is another dimension. We're in the physical plane right now. But there are <clears throat> four basic planes of existence. There is the spiritual plane, the mental plane, the astral plane, and the environmental plane. And the environmental plane meaning this physical world. So in the 
astral world, which is a, another dimension, it is parallel to this dimension, it's at the same time, in the same space, but in another dimension, there are beings who inhabit the astral world. They might be earthbound spirits who did not go into the divine light after death, who got stuck or stranded in this gray area. I can only kind of describe it as a gray, flat, grayish area. And there are also other kinds of beings who dwell in the astral world, such as demonic kind of beings who've never taken human form. Also, what I call rakshasas, which is that's the Sanskrit word for a type of being that is really a thought form that has taken shape and sort of has a life of its own. It's kind of a flat cardboard cutout figure. And uh, mainly it is souls who did not go into the light. They're kind of stuck in this place. Some people call it limbo. It is an astral world. Doesn't sound like a place I'd like to visit. I don't think so. I don't think anyone should open themselves up to it or want to visit it. But there are many people who open themselves up consciously to it all the time. How easy or difficult is it for entities on the astral plane or in the astral plane to come on over into our reality? Well, they don't really come on over into our reality, but if they use a lot of willpower, they can move objects. For example, poltergeist. A poltergeist, literally that word means a mischievous spirit. And what that would be is a ghost who is rattling the windows and rattling the doors and turning the TVs on and off and that sort of thing. So, yes, through their willpower, they can manage to to move objects in the physical world. But they're still in the astral world. They haven't really become physical. Now, you write about uh, the various reasons that uh, people who die, they and rather than go into the divine light, as you call it, they become earthbound, earthbound souls. And one of them you mentioned is disunion from organ donations. Um, this is fascinating. Tell me more about that. Well, it can happen that a living human being will go to the DMV and sign up on their donor card. And they say, oh, yeah, sure, take my organs when I die. Okay. So that's good and well if the human being has not identified 100% with their body as being all that they are. There are some people who do not really believe in a spiritual plane or they they think that there's just the body. And when the body's dead, there's nothing happens after that. The body just dies. There's no soul that lives on. There's no mind that lives on. Just the body dies and that's it. Yes. Everything's blank. You're talking flat. about materialists. That's the end. Materialists. Uh, a complete materialist, Richard, will think that way. They will think that this is all there is. This material world is all there is. Then, after death, they notice that their, their organs are being carved out of the body <laughs> because they're conscious of this taking place because they're still stuck in the body because they think that the body is all there is. They haven't moved on. So it's a bit disconcerting to have their organs being carved out of their I would butt. say, I would say. Because of that, they get stuck. They're stranded in the astral world. So that's, this is just one reason why a person might not move on into the light. And how did, you, how did you find this out? 
it was something that actually just was revealed to me through divine revelation, which is you know something I, I do, something I teach. And also, all these 14 reasons came to me as a result of my experiences of, of just knowing about ghosts and spirits and, and what happens to them after death, really. Are you able to communicate with uh, the, the denizens of the astral plane? I, I could. <laughs> I don't really want to. <laughs> Do they ever- no, I, I, don't, I don't communicate with them. I just send them into the light. Do they present themselves to you and say, I need help? Sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. And sometimes I call upon the ones that are in the immediate environment that need healing. And then they will come for healing. They'll come for help. And then just send them into the light. Anyone can do this. You know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to send ghosts into the light. Oh, well, what do you do then? I mean, <laughs> uh what do you, you just say? Speak what, lovingly you... to the entity. You just speak lovingly to that one who needs healing, and you just speak to them directly, and you just say you are filled and surrounded with God's love. You are filled and surrounded with God's light, and you just speak lovingly like that to the entity, and then you tell them that they're free. They're free from fear. They're free from pain. You tell them that they are lifted into the light, into the divine light, and you tell them that they're blessed, they're forgiven, they're released into the love, light, and wholeness of divinity. And you just speak like that, and you can also call upon a divine being to take them into the divine light. So in each case, these these earthbound souls, uh, what is it? They don't know that they've passed on? They don't. They need someone to point out, listen, you're dead. Turn around, see the light, walk towards it. Is, is it like that? Yes, some of them don't know they're dead. There was a movie about that, The Sixth Sense, yes. with Bruce Willis, who played a character who just, he just didn't even know he was dead. Because after death, nothing changes. You still have your senses, you still have your mind, and if you don't realize that you're no longer in that body, you'll just be walking around thinking that you're still alive. This can happen quite often with a sudden or accidental death. In the sixth sense, it was portrayed as being somebody that got suddenly killed. You know, it was unexpected. This would rarely happen with somebody who's ill dying in bed they would that just wouldn't happen to them because they they know they're going to die and then they die and and they're aware that they're dead but if it's a sudden accidental death this is the reason why you have so many ghosts hanging around battlefields because they don't realize that you know they get shot suddenly and they're dead and so if a person doesn't know they're dead you can help them, you know, like, for example, my mother didn't know she was dead. She she was in the mortuary. I'm sitting there next to her and I'm hearing her. She's talking to me. OK, because I have clear audience. I can hear beings talk to me. So my mother was telling me, let me go, let me go, let me go, let me go. And and I'm sitting there and she's continuing to repeat this over and over and over. And then it dawned on me. This was the same thing she was saying to me in the hospital. And then I just realized 
and and also I noticed that her vibration was very encased. It was in the body. It was not if if you usually when you're around a deceased person, their uh, energy field is very expanded as if it's infinite. It becomes very big. And hers was very encased, right there, still in the body. You mean you, you sense so that I or just, you see it? You see this energy field? It's like, something that I feel more than see. It's more of, a, of the feeling than the, than the vision for me. Some people can see more. I can feel more in that case. So I walked over to her and I said, hey, Mom, you're dead. You know, I, I had to explain to her that she was dead so that she would be able to move on. And it was a very touching experience because I told her she was free. And then after that happened, she actually became more expanded and she realized that she could see things. She had had macular degeneration, so she was basically blind before she passed over. Suddenly she could see, she could walk, which she couldn't, do with any facility before she was dead. She could even dance. So she felt very free once I explained it to her. What are some of the other uh, uh, reasons that, that people become earthbound after death? Okay, some of the other reasons why they become earthbound, they might just be kind of lost and confused and wandering around in a dazed state. And that can happen if the person before they died had for example, Alzheimer's disease, or if they were senile, or if they had really heavy drug, if they were drugged very heavily right before death. You know, for example, in the hospices, they drug the people very, very heavily, and they're just come totally out of it. So then they're just kind of lost and dazed and confused after death for a while because of that. And there's many other reasons, too. Um, for example, the person doesn't even believe in God or they don't believe in a light, or they don't believe in an afterlife. And because of that, they just don't think anything exists after death. And because of that, their soul is prevented from seeing the light. They just don't see the light, and they don't enter the light. Uh, this clear audience uh, this, uh, that you have, uh, I mean, is it is it difficult for you? I, I mean, are these, are there, like in the, in the television show uh, Medium, are there, are there ghosts? Vying to get your attention? Um, no, because I know how to keep my aura closed off. I don't open my sensitivity all the time. I don't allow myself to be a psychic sponge. So I keep my aura closed off, and I keep my aura open, uh, closed off to the lower astral world and open to the spiritual realm. In other words, I open up to the spiritual dimension and not to the astral dimension. And because of that, uh, no, I don't get bothered by ghosts trying to get my attention or anything like that because I don't allow it. But but if you're called, uh, do you go out to, to to places to do an investigation and, and to to help these entities if they require if they require uh, assistance? Certainly, I will help anyone who needs help. Mostly, it's people who need help because they have oppressions or possessions. That's what I'm dealing with more than. Uh, investigations of houses or something like that, although there has been cases in which uh, there was poltergeist activity. I, I didn't go to the places, but I was told about the houses. For example, there was one that was just 
horrific kinds of experiences were going on, including the clothing and the closets being torn to shreds. And I just crazy stuff was going on in this people's people's in this one person's house, for example. Well, listen, we'll and, we'll take it. Sorry, uh, Susan, I'll jump in here. We'll take a time out. We'll come back and maybe we can uh, uh, discuss that uh, that house in a little more detail and uh, continue to delve into uh, possessions, oppressions, earthbound souls with the ghost whisperer, Dr. Susan Shumsky, her latest book, The Power of Auras. Stay with us. Corporations, governments, and sometimes entire civilizations, what goes up must come down. And it lands on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Ghost Whisperer Dr. Susan Shumsky is with us. Her latest book is The Power of Auras. We're talking about earthbound souls. Uh, back to this um, uh, this house uh, that was undergoing all of this poltergeist activity. Uh, wh- what else can you tell me? You went out to, to investigate this place? No, as I said, I don't really go out to places. They just t- they they talk to me on the phone, tell me about these problems and so on, and I do the healings remotely. And also, I teach people how to heal themselves, mainly. Because the reality is that if a person is a psychic sponge, if a person is unconsciously inviting this kind of possession and oppression into their energy fields, they need to heal themselves. So what I do is I give people prescriptions of what to do to heal themselves. In this case, it was both the girl and her mom that the girl is the one who really, really worked on herself to overcome this horrific poltergeist and possession that was taking place in their house and around their house. And she did. She healed herself. And the next time I I actually saw her personally, she came on one of our conferences that we have on cruise ships, and she told me that, you know, it's virtually gone away. And she is really on a strong healing path now. So what I try to do, you know, instead of fishing for people, is uh, teach them how to fish. I teach people how to heal themselves. Well, we'll address that uh, before we we, um, we finish up here. But I'm, I'm curious, what or who is doing the possessing? Is it is it uh, a, um, a a departed spirit, uh, or is it some? demonic entity or 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 what it's very rare for it to be a demonic being that would be pretty rare mostly it's earthbound spirits mischievous or malevolent now a lot of possessions are due to souls who had addictions to drugs alcohol sex food whatever their addiction of choice When the body dies, there's no body anymore. You cannot continue your addiction in a dead body. So the wandering, tormented soul wanders around trying to attach itself to a living human in order to continue their addiction through them. So who would be susceptible to something like that? Well, obviously another addict somebody who's already into alcohol or drugs or sex or whatever it is. But sometimes the soul is so desperate, they'll just latch on to the first weakened human they see, maybe somebody that's just had an accident or something like that. And because of that, 
that living human will have a sudden personality change. They'll suddenly get into drugs. They'll suddenly have an addiction. There's an interesting book about this sort of thing uh, written by Edith Fiore, and I believe it's called uh, Hungry... um, Suddenly the title eludes me, but her name is Edith Fiore, and it's about hungry ghosts. And... um, so, so is that one of the, the, the symptoms then? If, if you notice, for example, a loved one or maybe even yourself, this wholesale personality change uh, and uh, maybe all of a sudden you take up smoking or drinking where you hadn't before, that, is that one of the telltale signs of a, of a possession? I would say so, absolutely. And in that case, it's you no know, psychiatrist, psychologist. They had have no clue what's going on. They don't know how to heal this stuff. They just don't know. What are some of the other symptoms that one, one might be uh, possessed? Well, I, depression, uh, lackadaisical attitude, you know, just uh, nightmares, um, having a tremendous energy drained, feeling drained all the time, no reason, uh, just weakness, a lot of weakness. And um, there can also be physical symptoms, there can be all kinds of pains and pains that seemingly psychosomatic. You go to the doctor and there's no reason for them because a lot of people who get possessed or oppressed, they will get these like nauseating feelings or odd pains here and there. That sounds like a lot of people yeah. I know, Susan. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm not joking. I mean, it's just you see it everywhere. And I, um, a lot of people... Uh, languishing in, in despair and depression and, and uh, fatigue. And um, here we just thought it was, you know, modern day living, beating us down. And perhaps it's um, some malevolent departed soul from the astral plane glomming onto us. Let's uh, delve into this further. When we come back, Ghost Whisperer, Dr. Susan Shumsky, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Dr. Susan Shumsky stays with us, Ghost Whisperer, and her new book is The Power of Auras. Uh, tell me a little bit more about the connection between uh, auras. Uh, you mentioned you know, closing off your aura uh, in order to prevent entities from entering. Uh, so uh, how do we, how do, what's the connection between auras and, and the spirit world? Right, the thing is, we have an aura which is layers of energy around the physical body, around and permeating. is isn't just around, it's permeating the physical body and around it. And these various layers of our energy field, if we open our aura, we are susceptible to psychic attack. We're susceptible to energy vampirism. By the way, some of your depressed and low-energy people is due to psychic vampirism, not necessarily entities from the astral world. We're also susceptible, if we leave our auras open, we're susceptible to entities from the astral world. So that's why it's really important for us to say some affirmations or visualize keeping our aura closed off to the lower astral realm and open to the spiritual world. 
Well, most people are not conscious of their auras. Uh, They may not even know they have auras. So how do you learn to open and close them? It's really very simple. Just use a simple affirmation. I'll tell you what it is right now. If you like, Richard, would you like that? Absolutely. Okay, so the affirmation goes like this. I am in control. I am one with God. I am the only authority in my life. I am divinely protected by the light of my being. I close off my aura and body of light to the lower astral levels of mind, and I open to the spiritual world. Thank you, God, and so it is. And how did that come to you? Uh, I actually studied with a specific teacher. I was in the Transcendental Meditation Organization for 22 years. After that, I studied with a gentleman named Dr. Peter Meyer from San Diego, and he had founded a couple different teachings. He had founded the teaching of the inner Christ and the teaching of intuitional metaphysics. And I studied with him and learned about this sort of thing. And that's where I learned it. Now, how do these uh, spirits, lower entity uh, spirits, glom on to you? I mean, do they already have to be present in your house? Or let's say, for example, you go out and uh, you go to an antique store and uh, I've, I've often been told, and you can disabuse me of this if it's incorrect, that uh, that spirits will often inhabit an object. Uh, and so if you bring home, you know, uh, you, you buy a, a chest of drawers that you like, you know, maybe an old bonnet chest from the, the mid-19th century, uh, that could be possessed, that, 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 uh, that chest of drawers. You bring that into your house, and all of a sudden, you've brought them in. You've brought those spirits in. Is that how it happens? That's one way that it can happen, yes. Definitely, because... Old things have old energies in them. They have thought forms, and they also have entities. Antique stores are filled with entities. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, uh, what about just walk? Let's say you're visiting someone in the hospital. I, I would imagine that there are a lot of earthbound souls wandering around in ERs. Yes, they are. There's a lot of earthbound souls in hospitals, prisons, bars, mental hospitals, any kind of institution, educational institutions, schools, universities, churches, everywhere. graveyards, obviously. They're everywhere. But to tell you the truth, not so much in graveyards as the other places that I mentioned. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, but so so when you're walking into any of these places that might attract, to, you know, earthbound souls, and are you saying that that meditation, I am in control? Yes, I think it's really important. It's like a, it's like brushing your teeth in the morning for everybody to close off their aura and open to the spiritual world because you're going to have a better day if you do that. <laughs> You'll simply not be attracting energies around you, untoward energies. I mean, there's a lot of energies. It isn't just entities. It's all the thought forms of humanity that are in the atmosphere. I call it environmental static. All the beliefs, habits, conditions, patterns of all the people around you at work, at home, everywhere. You're continually being bombarded with all these energies. And it's just a good idea for you to sort of live inside a spiritual cocoon. And that particular affirmation that I taught you will help you to do that. So we are really in the midst of of constant spiritual warfare, it sounds like. Yes, we are. Uh, Yes. 
what um, what does someone do uh, if let me let me ask back up and ask you this question? Are you able to tell remotely whether someone has uh, a ghost problem? Yes. So uh, let's say, for example, if I were to, if I were to ask you to sort of tap into where I am, uh, what do you need me to tell you? Uh, do you need a location? Where are you, mean in this, where are you in your home? No, this is a a studio in uh, in Toronto in a, in a neighborhood called Liberty Village in Toronto, Canada. Uh huh. Yeah. Are you able to connect? I, I don't. I don't sense any ghosts there. No. All right. Well, that's encouraging. I'm 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 told that the the previous building we we moved here in April. Uh, we were in yes. a much older uh, a building in another part of town, and uh, there were apparently some ghost stories uh, related to that. I never had any experiences, but my uh, uh, the uh, a friend here who hosts a show preceding mine had some remarkable experiences at the old building, uh, where an old uh, a colleague of his would visit from time to time. Um, I you know yes, in old buildings that'll happen. Old theaters, old build any kind of old building will often be haunted. All right. So, what does someone do if if uh, they're possessed, or if they have a loved one that's possessed and they want to help them? You know, you can pray for other people, but ultimately, they need to want to be healed themselves, and they need to want have enough. <laughs> Sometimes it takes a lot of pain for a person to really <laughs> to really be motivated to be healed, but um, and and willingness to be healed. Because people gain advantage. There's always advantages to being poor me. There's always, you know, <laughs> they always get something out of it. But if they really are willing to be healed, then by using the self-authority affirmation that I just told everybody, and by using the astral entity healing prayer, they can be healed. And so what happens when they, when they, do they have to constantly repeat that affirmation or does it happen? Do they have like a spontaneous exorcism? What happens? The, the fact is that if somebody has a possession or an oppression, I really recommend that they say, for example, the astral entity healing prayer, which I can say it right now if you want. Let's Yes, please do. They, if they say it like 50 times a day and use the self-authority affirmation 50 times a day, then they will be on a healing path and they will be healed. Uh, so I can say the astral entity healing prayer right now. It goes like this. And you're speaking directly to the entity or entities that you want to heal. And you just say, beloved ones, you are unified with the truth of your being. You are lifted in divine love. You are forgiven of all guilt and shame. You are healed and released from loss, pain, confusion, and fear. Divine love and light Fill and surround you now. Attachment to the earth no longer binds you. You are free to go into the divine light now. Go now in peace and love. Now, if the spirit is malicious, let's say, uh, you know, this, let's say this individual was a real PR in uh, in life, and and uh, so nothing has changed in the astral plane. Are they are they willing to go, or are they going to just hang on for dear life? To, well, not dear life, but are they going to just hang on no matter what? Right. Yes, Richard, they do not always go into the light, at least not right away. Sometimes it takes some convincing. And so then what do you do? Call in the heavy hitters? I mean, what do you I mean? <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? I do tend to call in the heavy hitters when I need help. I call in Holy Spirit. I call in the great Avatar Babaji. 
I call upon various divine masters, teachers, Jesus Christ. I call upon various beings of light to assist me with the healing. What are your thoughts on the Catholic rite of exorcism? Does it do any good? I imagine it probably does, or they wouldn't be doing it. I don't know too much about it. I don't know how it goes exactly. But if they are asking the spirit to leave, you know, the spirit will eventually leave. But the question is, where is it going to go? Exorcism in general means driving out evil spirits, quote unquote. First of all, most of the spirits are not evil. Most of them are just lost and confused and looking for a way out. Secondly, if you drive them out, they'll just go somewhere else. They'll go bother your mother-in-law or your sister or a dog or a child. They'll go someplace else. So that's why it's important to heal them permanently, to send them into the divine light. You mentioned that that, uh, that if we are possessed by a, a, a spirit, we can become depressed or lethargic or just physically ill, uh, mentally ill perhaps. But uh, can they? Are there, are there other ways that they can be harmful to us? Should we fear ghosts? You, there is no reason to ever fear anything if you know how to heal it. I've taught you how to heal it. There is no reason to ever fear. Now that you know that all you need to do is just use some simple prayers, I have never feared any ghost. I've never been afraid of any kind of horrendous poltergeist. Or, you know, there, there's a lot. I could tell you stories probably all night about different exorcisms that I and my students have done. But the reality is none of it was done out of fear. It's all done out of love because everyone wants love. Even the most desperate demonic being, their motivation is love. Everyone's motivation is love. They want attention. They want love. They want acceptance. If you give them love and help them, they will go into the light. Uh, Susan, is there an, another type of ghost? What I'm thinking about is, um, you know, the, the classic, uh, you know, someone sees a man in a top hat descending the staircase at exactly the same time every day. Uh, as, as if it's some sort of an echo, like that right. ghost doesn't have consciousness. So what's going on there? Is that just some sort of a reverberation from the past? What is that? No, that's actually a ghost. Those are what they call echoes or those uh, re- repeating tapes or whatever they call them, repeating videotapes. Those are ghosts. They are stuck on a treadmill. But does that ghost have... Now, what is- kind of hellish existence is that to be stuck on a treadmill? Right. And I asked, Ghost investigators, what are you doing? How are you helping these these beings who are in torment? You just want to go there and take pictures and, and take uh, EVPs or whatever those things are called and help them move on, for goodness sake. These people are in torment. So, so that type of ghost, that echo, that, that ghost has consciousness, is what yes. you're saying. It does. Yes. And they can be helped. Anything that is stuck, stranded, lost, needs help. Needs to be helped, sent into the light. Well, Dr. Susan Chomsky, I, uh, I appreciate your time tonight. I'm wondering, I have one more favor to ask. Would you would you uh, be so kind as to email me those, those affirmations and prayers? And uh, perhaps I could, um, if you would permit me to post them those online so people can access them? Uh, most certainly, absolutely. That would be wonderful. Well, listen, thank you for your time. Again, the book is The Power of Auras. And uh, I appreciate uh, you spending some time with us here tonight. Right. And my website is www.drsusan.org. Drsusan.org. Thank you. Have a good evening. 
Thank you. You have a wonderful evening also. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, Tim Screen, for production. Back next week, Dr. Uh, James D. Eugenio back on the uh, JFK uh, uh, beat as we commemorate the 50th anniversary. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home.